This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. This episode is brought to you by Lola V. Lola V is an award-winning hair care line by none other than Jennifer Aniston. They offer clean, plant-powered products for every hair type and texture. I just did my whole hair care routine with all the products the other night, and I am obsessed. Along with incredible shampoo and conditioner, they have an intensive repair treatment that you can use once a week. They also have a lightweight hair oil. There's a leave-in treatment and there's also a glossing detangler, which I need because lately I want to do my hair in like a slicked back look, but my hair's too frizzy. Get 15% off Lola V with the code MOMROOM at www.lolav.com slash MOMROOM and Lola V is L-O-L-A-V-I-E. This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. <laughs> mom room podcast my name is renee rena and i am definitely the mom friend you have always wanted all week i had planned to record this episode tonight so of course milo doesn't want to go to sleep tonight and he cries and he's giving me a hard time that is just what comes with being a mom am i right or am i right like oh my god my mom has plans tonight okay i'm gonna cry i'm not gonna go to sleep i'm just gonna ruin any kind of plan that my mom had. I swear they know. They know what's going on. He probably also knows that I'm trying to record something with a very sensitive microphone. So if he's making noise, if he's crying, even if it's on the other side of the house, this microphone will pick it up. I am not even kidding. I just stopped recording that last thing that I said and I can hear him crying. This wasn't my plan for an intro, but Anyways, this is what's happening right now. Moving on. I first thought of the term mom poster syndrome when I was listening to a podcast and they were talking about imposter syndrome. And being in grad school for so long, I totally can relate to feeling like an imposter. Like no matter how much information you know about a certain topic, you still feel like you know nothing. You're constantly doubting yourself, you're always being questioned by people, rarely do you get any kind of praise or like, oh, you're doing a great job, you're really good at this. Uh, No, just you do the work, you do the work, you keep trying, you keep trying, and the whole time you think you're not doing good enough and you're being judged by everybody. So on the podcast, as they were talking about imposter syndrome, I literally was thinking to myself, oh my god, if you just switched around some of the words in the kind of definition that they were giving, it would literally describe most moms and how moms feel. So after looking at some definitions of imposter syndrome and reading about it, I kind of came up with a little definition of mom-poster syndrome, which I say is characterized by feelings of inadequacy with regard to being a mom. Mom-posters suffer from chronic self-doubt, comparison to others, and they fear judgment. 
These feelings also override any feelings of confidence, success, or real life proof that they are a badass mom. So I sat down and I tried to think of reasons why moms might feel this way. The four things that I came up with uh, for the blog were social media, obviously, unsolicited advice, and I don't mean good advice from people. I'm talking about you know when people are saying something to you in a certain way that they are trying to give you advice, but at the same time, they're trying to make a point like they knew how to deal with this and kind of making you feel like, why why don't you do it this way? Why haven't you figured this out yet on your own? I know you guys know what I'm talking about. There is just a way that people say things that can either be welcomed advice or advice where you just want to fucking rip their head off. Third, I wrote about that one study that people obsess over that's in the media, that's in every magazine, that your friends are sending to you, that your mom asks if you've heard about, you know, the one study that shows that screen time causes depression in kids or something like that. Fourth thing was the hashtag blessed moms. And I don't know why I put a hashtag in front of that, but basically you know these people, you might be one of these people, and that's totally fine as well. Blessed moms are just the moms that don't want to share anything negative with other people, whether it be on social media or even sharing with family and friends. And again, there's nothing wrong with being that way. I personally feel like it would be very lonely and stressful way to be, but that's just me and that's how I deal with hard things. That's not necessarily how everyone else deals with it. And finally, for this podcast, I added a fifth uh, reason that might make moms feel like a mom poster, and that is comparing yourself to other moms and also comparing your kids to other people's kids. So let's start with social media. Before I go on, I just want to point out that I saw this TikTok where there's this guy and he's like a linguist and he did a TikTok that was all about certain words that you should be removing from your speech. And one of those words was so. And I say so all the time. So I'm going to try and not say it before I start every freaking statement, but bear with me. Social media. We all love consuming beautifully curated social media content, especially on Instagram, because Instagram is just set up in a way where you can go to someone's profile and all you see are their beautiful photos. And I'm sure many of you follow travel accounts or food accounts or, you know, accounts that aren't necessarily geared towards moms. But I'm sure you also follow a hell of a lot of mom or family related accounts. Now, the accounts that I'm talking about are the ones where you can tell that people are putting a lot of work into these profiles. I can think of some of the accounts that I used to follow. I probably still follow, but I don't really consume much content lately. But the accounts that I'm thinking of are, you know, they you go to their profile and everything is in a certain color scheme. They all have matching outfits. They have like nine kids and somehow they all look beautiful. The mom is beautiful. She's dressed nice. She's definitely brushed her hair, that's for sure. 
and every photo is beautiful. And that's fine. I really don't have anything against accounts like these, but I also know the work that goes into creating these accounts and curating all these photos. I think I probably have a better idea than maybe most people because my sister-in-law is a photographer and I've seen the work that she puts into staging photos, editing photos, picking outfits, lighting, like on and on and on. And like that's just when she's shooting maybe a plate of food or another adult. That's not shooting five freaking kids. So I can imagine the amount of work that goes into these photos. And my point with these kinds of accounts is that we don't look at a magazine that we pick up at the grocery store, flip through and see all these professional photos and think, oh, like, why is my life not looking like this? We don't do that. But for some reason, because these photos are on Instagram and it's, you know, a person's profile, we assume that this is just their life. One of the points that I made in the blog was exactly that. Would you look at an issue of Vogue and compare your life to a spread of some celebrity family? No. Would you look at a culinary magazine and feel bad that your Thanksgiving dinner didn't look like Martha Stewart's? I hope not. And it's because we know the work that goes into these magazines. But we need to start realizing that the same amount of work is going in to a lot of these Instagram accounts. I can assure you that those two perfect photos that they posted within 24 hours does not represent that entire 24-hour period. So my advice for social media is be a smart consumer of content on social media. If you're following profiles or accounts that don't make you feel good or that you can't relate to at all, then stop following them. You're really the one that decides what social media content you consume. It's not like the news where you put it on and they're deciding what they're going to show you. You have the option to follow or unfollow. So if you're scrolling Instagram and, you know, when you put your phone away, you don't feel better about yourself or you feel like, ugh, like I need to do this better, I need to do that better, then you need to switch up the accounts that you're following. Or instead of comparing yourself to these accounts, you need to realize the amount of work that goes into these accounts, appreciate that amount of work, note that it's beautiful, and just move on. For me, I prefer to consume content that's relatable, that's informative, or that makes me laugh. Mostly content that makes me laugh, which is why I love TikTok so much. Next up is unsolicited advice. I think part of having mom poster syndrome is that when people give you advice, even if they're trying to be helpful, we automatically get defensive. This episode is brought to you by Magic Spoon. You guys know I have been very intentional with what we've been eating lately. I'm looking at protein, I'm looking at sugar content, and avoiding things like artificial ingredients or colorings. Milo used to always want pancakes or waffles in the mornings, and now he is getting into cereal, and I'm so excited because Magic Spoon is the perfect option. Their variety pack has four flavors, cocoa, fruity, frosted, and peanut butter. They have zero grams of sugar, 
13 to 14 grams of protein and only 4 to 5 grams of carbs per serving. They're made with wholesome ingredients, no artificial flavors or dyes, and I'm just so happy that he's getting a good amount of protein before he goes off to school. And it's a great snack for me and my husband too because 13 to 14 grams of protein in the cereal, now you add a high protein milk, you're set. That is such a high protein snack or meal. I should also mention that it is gluten-free, grain-free, and soy-free. So go to magicspoon.com slash momroom to grab a variety pack and try it today. And be sure to use our promo code momroom at checkout to save $5 off your order. And Magic Spoon is so confident in their product, it's backed with a 100% happiness guarantee. So if you don't like it for any reason, they'll refund your money, no questions asked. So try a delicious bowl of Magic Spoon cereal today at magicspoon.com slash momroom and use the code momroom to save $5. Thank you, Magic Spoon, for sponsoring this episode. This episode is brought to you by Little Spoon. It is 2024. As busy parents, it's hard to completely overhaul our lives, but what we can do is make small changes that will make our lives easier. And that is where Little Spoon comes in. Their goal is to make keeping your kid healthy feel like the easiest part of your day so that you can cut through all the drama of mealtime. Little Spoon offers baby blends, biteables, and plates. So baby blends is fresh, organic baby food. They have single ingredients, but also multi-textured purees to take the stress out of starting solids. Biteables make the transition to finger foods easy because they are cut perfectly to size, which promotes self-feeding. And of course, all the Biteables are healthy, balanced, and free of artificial junk. And then there are plates for your toddlers and your bigger kids. They are meals that are free of all the bad stuff. They taste amazing. Even the pickiest eaters will love them. They have things like hidden veggie mac and cheese, chicken nuggets, and adventurous things like pot stickers, gnocchi, and more. Little Spoon also has smoothies and build-it-yourself lunches. Did I mention it all comes right to your door? It is super flexible, so easy, and everything stores right in the fridge and freezer. You can pick up the menu and change up what you order every single time. The price is right. The quality is unmatched. You and your kids will love it. It's a huge win-win for your family. Simplify your kids' mealtime with 30% off your first order. Go to littlespoon.com slash momroom and enter our code momroom at checkout to get 30% off your first Little Spoon order. As you become more confident in your momming skills, I think you are much better able to take in someone's advice. And that doesn't necessarily mean that you have to use the advice that they're giving you, but it's just you don't have that defensive reaction. I also think it can be frustrating to get advice sometimes because as a mom, you feel like you're already trying everything. You're Googling everything possible to try and solve whatever issue you're having. And then someone comes with some basic piece of advice and you're like, really? Obviously, I've tried that. Or alternatively, all the advice that's out there for whatever problem you're having, you have other reasons why that's not going to work for your specific child. So it can be frustrating at times to keep getting advice and having to explain to people why that's not going to work or how you've already tried it and this is what happened. And you can also get amazing advice. I have gotten some advice from other moms that has been life-changing. But who knows, if I was more defensive or not confident in the mom that I am, then maybe I would have not accepted that advice or 
just instantly been defensive and not listened. And of course, what works for other people's children is not necessarily going to work for your child, which can also be frustrating. For example, a lot of my friends did baby-led weaning with their kids. You know, all the research said it's the best thing to do. Oh my God, your child's not going to eat properly if they're only eating purees, blah, blah, blah. So we tried it with Milo and literally after the first meal, I think it was sweet potato. I was like, nope, not doing it. Can't do it. I'm too anxious. And the worst is when you get advice from maybe someone who had children in the 80s. And it's like, you know, like things have changed, safety regulations have changed, it's just not the same. I think when you have a baby, there is going to be so much advice thrown your way, but be confident in what you're doing. You know what feels right for you and your child. And I think when you are confident, then you're less likely to be defensive when people give you advice and you're also able to just listen to what they have to say and take it or leave it. To finish the unsolicited advice topic, I'll just say that there are going to be people who give advice that are just assholes. They're not trying to help. They're trying to make themselves look good, make it look like they have all their shit together. And that's fine. Let them talk, agree, nod your head, and then move on. Number three on my list of things that will cause momposter syndrome is that one study everyone obsesses about on every single media outlet. And not even just the media. Your friends will talk about it. Your mom's going to ask if you've heard about it. You know, someone's going to send it to you in your Facebook messages. And when you first look at the study or read the results, whatever the, the headline, you're going to get nervous. You're going to be like, oh my God, because it's going to say something like screen time causes depression in young children. And you're going to be like, what the fuck? The wiggles? How can the wiggles cause someone to be depressed? That's outrageous. That's blasphemy. I don't believe it. But it doesn't matter that you don't believe it because that's what the research says. And the research is never wrong, people. Haha, <laughs> just kidding. I am a researcher and you can find research to support anything you want to prove. You can also take the results and twist it in a way that is going to make people click on the article. And the media, they're not dumb. They just want people to watch. They want to get traction on their story. So if Al Roker sees that there's this research study that shows that screens cause depression in young kids, he's going to talk about it because people are going to watch that. As a side note, I would love to do a podcast episode solely devoted to screen time and I would love it if I could have some kind of professional or someone who's done research in that area. That would be fantastic. I did a little bit of my own research on screen time uh, because I have access to all the published research articles. And I'm not convinced that it's the screens that are the problem. I think it's the lack of other positive things in a child's life, like parental interaction, physical activity, peer interaction, stuff like that. It's definitely not Emma Lockie Simon and Anthony too. One thing about research too is that usually it takes a ton of research to be able to make a statement or to prove something. But with the media, they'll take one study that has one catchy title and that's all they're going to talk about. Uh, I think when Milo was a newborn, the one study that everyone was talking about was something to do with rice, how rice was full of arsenic. Yeah, so 
perfect example. I was terrified I avoided rice for him for the longest time. And I remember looking into it and yes, there are traces of arsenic in rice products, but the amount of freaking rice that you would have to eat for it to be detrimental to your health was unbelievable. So stop trying to scare us. To finish the whole research study uh, topic, I'll go over an example of a research title that I talked about in my blog. I made this up, just so you know. So the example of the study title is a new study determines that 75% of people have sex three times a day. Like, wow, that is shocking. I feel like shit now about my own sex life. But when you actually look at the research and how they conducted their study, you see that only four people were surveyed. So 75%, that's three out of the four people have sex three times a day. And then you look at what they were counting as sex and you realize that they included masturbation. Then you looked at the participants that they included, and it was males between the ages of 20 and 25. Well, I don't feel so bad about my sex life anymore. So that's kind of my point about research and just hearing one headline over and over in the news. You have to really look into the research yourself to figure out what's going on. Before I get into the hashtag blessed moms topic, I want to share with you uh, something that happened to me the other day. All the previous stuff on this episode was recorded on Thursday night. It is now Saturday. I'm taking the day off. I'm at my friend's house, even though she's not home. I am just chilling here by myself and it's glorious. So I thought I would record a little bit for the podcast. If you follow me on Instagram, you know that something happened yesterday that was a little bit TMI to share on my stories, but I'm going to share it now. So Friday, which was yesterday, was one of the worst days I have ever had in quarantine with Milo and the two dogs. And to try and kind of prepare for nap time, I got myself a little lunch ready. I put some Moroccan soup in a bowl made toast, buttered the toast, and my plan was to put Milo down for his nap and then have my nice lunch and watch Selling Sunset. Just as I got my lunch ready and put it on the counter and I was about to bring Milo up to put him down, I got a raging sore stomach. Initially, I was thinking, oh, I'll probably just be quick, like in and out of the bathroom, maybe I ate something wrong, whatever. So we have a gate near the front of the house where the bathroom is on the other side of the gate. So anytime I open the gate, Milo follows me through the gate because he likes playing in the front office because all his forbidden toys are there. So he makes his way to the office and I go into the bathroom and I'm like, oh my god, this is not going to be quick. I am about to die. I felt like I was going to throw up at the same time as having diarrhea. Sorry, guys, but I had to say it. So I can hear Milo playing in the office and I can't see him from the bathroom, but I start to panic thinking, oh my God, what if he gets hurt? Like, what if he, like, he recently learned how to open the front door and I was terrified. What if he decides he wants to go outside and opens the front door and I'm stuck on the toilet and if I go to get him, the neighbors are going to see me, my pants are going to be down or I'm going to like have poop all over the house or all over my pants. All these scenarios were going through my head. 
So to try and coax him to come into the bathroom, I there was a Huggies baby wipes package and I was crinkling it, making crinkle sounds in my hand saying, Milo, come look at this. Look at this, honey. Like, oh, so cool. And keep in mind, this is as I'm dying of a sore stomach, thinking I'm going to throw up and pooping my brains out. So I can hear him start to walk towards the bathroom and he pops his little head around the corner and I'm like, oh my god, honey, look. And I started grabbing all the extra rolls of toilet paper and building like a tower in front of myself because I knew that that would get his attention and he'd want to come either knock it down or put one of his little people like through the toilet paper hole. And it worked. He came into the bathroom and as he came in, I got up super quickly and closed the door and locked it because he hasn't figured out how to unlock our interior doors yet. So the poor little guy was in the bathroom with me as I was dying on the toilet and I'm trying to play with him, trying to like, you know, keep him entertained. And he had no idea what was going on. But I sat there like, oh my God, as if this is even a situation in my life that is happening. Like trying to coax a little baby to come into the bathroom as I poop my brains out, have a raging sore stomach, building a toilet paper tower in front of me to try and get his attention. Oh my God. So anyways, that's what being a mom is like. And that situation was the catalyst for the rest of the day which was the worst day in the world he didn't nap like he was cranky he threw woody in the toilet like it's a whole thing it was the worst day ever so anyways now i'm doing my own thing today which is a nice little break and now i'll get on with the rest of the episode ah mm, the first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on that's nice at caskers.com we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at caskers.com. All right. The next topic that I want to talk about that may cause someone to have momposter syndrome is the hashtag blessed mom. The definition that I made up for what I mean by a hashtag blessed mom is a regular mom, just like you and I, who would not dare speak a negative word about their experiences as a mom. They project only a 100% blessed ideal of motherhood to their online and maybe even real life family and friends. And before I go on, I just want to make it clear that there's nothing wrong with being a hashtag blessed mom. What's wrong is how other people perceive you and how people look at you and think that you have absolutely no issues, like you're loving motherhood, no problems, because then it makes them feel like shit. So it's not the hashtag blessed moms, it's how we look at these people and how we perceive what their actual life is like. And you probably know people that are hashtag blessed other kinds of people, they're not necessarily moms, but you know, they could be grandmothers, they could be your uncle, like who knows. Some people don't like sharing about their own difficult situations for whatever reason, and some people 
like to share. Like for example, me. I feel better if I'm open, if I'm honest, and if I explain things to people versus trying to kind of hide what's going on and not express myself. And it's one thing to just not share any information at all. Like that's a different kind of thing. So those people would just be very private people. They wouldn't share much on social media. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the people who still are sharing a lot on social media or, you know, with their family and friends, but they never bring anything negative to the table. They never discuss struggles or issues that they have, you know, whether it be physical issues, emotional issues, um, you know, admitting to someone that they hate it when their baby doesn't nap during the day, like whatever it might be. They just don't put any of that stuff out there. My perfect example of a hashtag blessed mom are those people who post something on Instagram, you know, a picture of them cuddling their baby. They have baby drool on their shoulder or whatever it is. And the caption is something like, oh, little Oliver wouldn't sleep all night. He refuses to sleep anywhere but on my chest. But, you know, I really can't complain because look at all these baby snuggles I'm getting. And it's like, really? Because when I read that, it sounds like you're living in hell. But they wouldn't dare complain about their baby having to sleep on their chest and their chest only. And I understand why they might not want to share that because they think if they complain about something that other people are going to look at them and think that they don't like being a mom or judge them and think, ooh, my goodness, she's having a difficult time. Like, ooh, you know, those judgy people. But really, the hashtag blessed mom shouldn't feel that way. That's the problem. The problem is not wanting to disclose this kind of information and then you're living in kind of your own private hell and you're not able to share it with anyone because you fear judgment. I wish everyone was just super confident in their momming abilities and didn't worry about being judged and I also wish people wouldn't judge other moms. So that's that. So this whole situation kind of makes me think about defense mechanisms. So I use humor when I'm talking about things that are upsetting to me. Uh, That's my defense mechanism of choice. So I wonder if the hashtag blessed moms, uh, their way of coping with difficult situations are, you know, to present kind of a positive image of themselves and because the alternative, being judged by others or having someone think that you're not a good mom or you're not enjoying being a mom, to them is worse. So as moms, I think, you know, we're all going through extreme highs, extreme lows, and then a bunch of mediocre stuff as well. And I think some people are just super comfortable sharing uh, both the highs and the lows with others, and some people are not, and that's okay. But we have to remember that we're all going through the same things, even if we're not all discussing it openly. So if you are in the presence of a hashtag blessed mom or a hashtag blessed anybody or you're consuming their social media content, whatever it may be, just keep that in mind that we're all going through the same fucking shit, but some people just don't like to talk about it and that's fine.
All right, the last topic that I wanted to throw in here, it's not on the blog, but I thought I would throw it in, is comparing ourselves to other moms, but also comparing our kids to other kids. And I'll start off by saying that everyone is freaking different, okay? Parents are different. People's marriages are different. People's households are different. People's work schedules are different. People's kids are different. There is so much variability from household to household that it drives me crazy when people compare themselves to other situations. A perfect example would be, you know, looking at someone's social media content of a hashtag blessed mom, let's say, and now you're instantly comparing yourself to this person's account. How they dress. Oh my God, their house is so clean. Oh my God, her toddler wears the cutest clothes. Oh, look at the healthy meals they're giving their kids. There's endless number of things that we can compare ourselves uh, to other people about. A good example from my own experience is that Milo was a small baby. He was, I think, only six pounds when he was born. And I have a friend that had a baby literally an hour after Milo was born. And they're still friends. Like, I'm still good friends with her. So that was kind of cool. So she is an hour younger than Milo. And physically, she was way ahead of Milo. And I knew, like, they were born at the exact same time. Like, I knew that that was a clear comparison that I could have made. She lifted her head up like a champion. She was crawling before Milo, sitting up before Milo. She did baby lead weaning. I was terrified of doing it, but she'd come over and eat strawberries like she was 35 years old. Like, I, it was mind-blowing to me. Uh, she walked before Milo, just like everything. And sometimes it was frustrating for me. I was like, why is Milo not there yet? But then I would sit and remember, like, Renee, he was born small, like, he's smaller. Maybe his neck isn't as strong as her neck, clearly. He's just a little guy. Like, he's gonna get there. There's no 13-year-olds that can't lift their freaking head up. I tried to always remind myself that kids are gonna develop very differently. And, of course, now Milo is behind a little bit in the number of words that he's saying. And, you know, I have friends whose little ones, I hear them talk on their Instagram stories or in videos that they send to me. And I'm just like, oh, my God, like they're actually talking and they're not that much older than Milo. But it's still it's something that, you know, is in the back of my mind. So I understand that it's hard to not compare, but it doesn't do anybody any good to compare your kids to other kids. Just focus on your own child, you know, read up on milestones, do what you can to help them progress, but don't stress about it. And with regard to comparing ourselves to other moms, oh my god. We're all different. I can't stress that enough. I'm a super crazy busybody, like to the max. And so if you see that my house is clean or tidy in my Instagram stories, that's because I am a busybody. I cannot sit still. And that's probably some like deep-rooted anxiety that I have within myself where I find it hard to just like sit and be. I have to be doing something. Like right now, I'm at my friend's house alone 
and I'm doing this instead of just sitting and watching a movie or just relaxing. Like I can't, I have to be doing something. Some moms are probably super interested in preparing foods and nutrition and I know moms like that and I see their Instagram stories, I see what they feed their kids and while I admire it and I know the hard work that goes into it, I don't necessarily want to spend my time doing that right now so I, you know, appreciate what they do but I'm not going to do it and I move on. If that was something that I was really interested in doing right now, then I would do it, but it's not. So that's okay. What else? I have some friends who are very outdoorsy. So, you know, their kids are always outside. They're going for really long walks and along trails and swimming and, you know, all the good stuff that comes with living in Northern Ontario. And... Like, for me, that's not really a priority right now. Like, we try and get outside as much as we can, like, just in the yard. But I'm not super comfortable taking Milo, you know, on trail walks or to the beach by myself. I don't even know if beaches are open right now. But, um, yeah, so I just have to know that about myself and not feel bad about it. They probably don't have insane 90s dance parties in their kitchen all the time, but we do, and that's kick-ass. In the end, we all have our strengths. We are the best mom for our kids, okay? Like Linda down the street, who is like a professional arts and craftser, she's not the best mom for your kids. I wish... Well, and I hope that what this podcast and my social media, my blog, I hope what it does for moms is kind of give them the confidence to feel like they are the best mom for their kids. I will just quickly recap what this episode was about. So this is kind of like the Coles notes. I talked about five things that might be contributing to you feeling like a mom poster which is feeling inadequate with regard to being a mom and suffering from self-doubt, comparing yourself to others, and fearing judgment uh, instead of just knowing that you're a badass mom. The topics I discussed were social media, so beautifully curated social media accounts, unsolicited advice, that one research study that everyone's always talking about, and hashtag blessed moms. I hope you are leaving this episode feeling a little bit more confident and that you're gonna consume social media in maybe a more aware way. Maybe you're gonna unfollow some accounts that make you feel like garbage and seek out other accounts that, you know, bring some positivity into your life. Be confident and when someone gives you unsolicited advice or even advice that you may have asked for, don't be defensive. Just hear what they have to say and you can either, you know, take the advice and use it or just fucking throw it in the garbage. Don't just listen to that one research study that they're friggin' talking about nonstop on the news. You know, do some research of your own. Make your own opinion on these things and know how these things are affecting your specific family. Understand that hashtag blessed moms are going through the exact same shit that we are. 
they just don't want to talk about it. So be mindful of that when you are communicating with or consuming content of someone who is a hashtag blessed mom. And stop comparing yourself to other people. Stop comparing your kids to other kids. It's like comparing apples to oranges. We're all different. As adults, we're all different. As kids, we're all different. As babies, we're all different. Our situations are different. Our family households are different. So just stop. You're going to do yourself a huge favor. That wraps up this week's episode on mom poster syndrome. I do have a blog post written about this topic that I will link in the episode info. Be a doll and please go to where you listen to your podcasts and rate and review. You can find me on Instagram and TikTok at the.mom.room. My blog is renearena.com. And I post a new blog post every Sunday evening. And I will be back next week with a new podcast episode. And this episode is amazing. It is an hour-long conversation with one of my good friends, Alexandra, who is a speech-language pathologist. And I know that this is an episode that people have been waiting for. So grab a freaking piece of paper and a pen, write down some notes because it's super informative. Thank you so much for listening and I hope that your child or your children sleep tonight. Let's go to bed.